What took Gary Keller so long? Kyle actually really uh, appreciate and can respect Gary Keller. And recently they pulled back their um, their profit sharing for life promise that they made. Kyle talked about in this podcast why he actually agreed with Gary. And even though it pissed people off, what uh, his perspective on it is. And we talk about what we can actually learn from that whole process to help avoid a situation for us as in the real estate industry um, from pissing off our agents in the future. Welcome to this week's episode of the Whistleway Podcast. Kyle, something came out uh, within the last month or so um, about Keller Williams pulling back on, and I, I'm going to try and say this as much as I know, you know it better than I do, but kind of changing how they did their partnership agreement with their agents. Um, it, they had one thing set and it has then changed to something different regarding their profit sharing and vesting for life. Yep. Today I want to talk about this. I know we brought this up in a couple of our groups. Um, it's a very highly debated topic. It's very controversial. Um, and it was really funny to see uh, a lot of people in in basically every group, every brokerage but Keller Williams and even they talk shit on this. And then you go through and go, I actually agree with Keller, Gary Keller. And I go, oh, this is this is interesting. So, Kyle, can you, in today's podcast, I want you to kind of break down what it was, what they changed to, and actually why do you agree with him, and what lessons can we as uh, team members, team leaders, learn from this? For sure. Yeah, this will be fun to dive into. Uh, we'll talk about the specific change that Keller made. Um, but I also want to take it from that into just partnership agreements in general, because I think it's something that's very important in a uh, industry that we literally are dealing with contracts every single freaking day yeah. um, in agreements. So we should probably talk about those and, and the importance of them. Cool. cool. Awesome. Well, I'm Kyle Whistle. Welcome to the Whistle Way podcast. My name is Brian Kochi, Kochi Director of Marketing. Man, we are starting off rough on this Monday. I, I have an excuse. I got a whitefish hangover. What's your excuse? I, I was sick all weekend, so okay. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> there it is. Cool. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. The way that we like to do that is to uh, hop on thewhistleway.com, submit questions to us there, uh, and we'll hit those on the show. You can also subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, join our referral network for everybody leaving California, and get on our private email newsletter and Facebook group where we share a lot of tips and tricks of what we're working on. And I just built the rebuilt the website. It looks uh, much less like Craigslist now. Oh, yeah. um, okay. It looks better on the desktop than the phone, but I just rebuilt it. So it actually looks a lot better now. Okay. And uh, it's easier to ask a question, easier to see all the stuff on there, thewhistleway.com. So if you okay. haven't checked it out in the last 24 minutes, uh, go ahead and check it out now. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm pulling up this article because I want to make sure I don't. Uh, I thought you were pulling up the like website. It was like two weeks ago from when I uh, this thing came out, so I want to make sure that we hit on it appropriately. But effectively, um, Keller Williams, they when they came into the game, they definitely revolutionized um, the brokerage industry and brought a couple things to the table that were very unique. Maybe they weren't the first, but they were the first to go big with two things. One. They introduced a cap structure. Okay. So um, before they came out, caps were almost unheard of. And if just in case you're not familiar with a cap, you pay into the brokerage until you've paid them X dollars. And once you hit that, then you don't pay them a split anymore. There's always some fees and stuff, but your split goes away. Like that was very revolutionary when they came out with that. And that helped propel them to 100 plus thousand agents. 
Um, additionally, what they came out with was um, referred to, it was originally revenue sharing, um, which revenue sharing is when you share top line. So for every dollar that comes in, we're going to share uh, Y percentage with the agents. It initially, a lot of people don't actually know this, that Keller Williams first had uh, revenue sharing. They then later realized that we can't share that much money and maintain profitability. So they adjusted to profit sharing. And so no one else was doing it. So, yeah, so they didn't need to go yeah, that hard. So they realized like, hey, that we if we keep doing this, we're going to give too much money away to, to maintain, hit the profitability numbers that we want. So they instead shifted to profit sharing, which is now not top line revenue they're sharing, it's bottom line profit that they're sharing. So if a uh, market center, which is their what their offices are, um, if a market center is not profitable, then there is no sharing that occurs. There has to be profitability. Which makes sense. And then it ties in, um, you know, people give these all different names, multi-level marketing, direct sales, pyramid schemes. You, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to argue with you over this one. It's not worth a fight. Um, but something where, you know, if I you introduce you into the company, I sponsor you in, like, I get a uh, percentage of the profit, right? We do profit sharing if you bring somebody, so on and so forth. Um, seven levels deep. So they brought that, they kind of took that multi-level marketing component, brought it into real estate, tied it in originally to revenue, ultimately switched that to profit sharing. Um, and there's agents making a lot of money with that. Like that was an additional um, revenue stream that agents could make on top of their commission. So between the cap structure that they brought in, that, and I guess the, the third thing, not that they were the only ones, but they really put a heavy emphasis on training. Like they were like, hey, if you're, they were just known for a long time. I know when I first got in the industry that people were like, if you want to learn how to be a good agent, like go there. They have the best training, training, training. Like that was what they hung their hat on for a really long time. And I think the combination of those three things, um, two which were very revolutionary, and the third, they just put an emphasis on it. So between those three, that helped them grow to, you know, 150 plus thousand agents worldwide. So. And it helped them help a lot of agents grow. Helped, I, I mean, there's no shade being thrown here. On, on Keller Williams and, and what they did. And, and again, that paved the way for other brokerages to come and say, wow, you did that and that was revolutionary and, and scary at the time, but now let's take it up a notch. And that's kind of what competition does, right? Yeah. And so that's when you see other brokerages like EXP and Real and Compass did some other stuff. Um, them, they, they come in and say, okay, I'm gonna take your 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 big jump and I'm gonna jump you again. Yep. Um, so, okay, so, that's kind of some history. They, and one of the the attractive things from what I understand from reading some of these comments is that you were, after a certain amount of time or a certain amount of money, you were vested with your profit sharing for life. For life. Yes. And that, that was a big selling point. That was a big recruiting point. That was a big uh, point of pride that they, I truly believe they, intended to honor that for the rest of the, the, their, their, their goals that yeah. it was never a bait and switch. I don't, I don't believe if, if it yeah. was, they, they played the long game, but yeah. Okay. So, so that's where what this it was. came to light was, I don't remember how many years ago, but I think it was at an Inman event and you had Gary Keller and Glenn Sanford kind of going back and forth. And if you guys are Glenn Sanford used to be at Keller Williams years ago. Glenn Sanford, okay, the current CEO used of to be at EXP. Keller Williams is now the founder of EXP. And at this event, it was actually brought to light that like Glenn is still receiving profit share from Keller Williams. Meanwhile, he is 
founded EXP, oh, that's funny. which, you know, um, EXP and Keller Williams have just, for whatever reason, always kind of um, butted heads. And so it was just kind of a, an odd circumstance that you've got a guy receiving profit share from Keller Williams, but started a company that competes directly with Keller Williams. So that was where it really kind of got brought to light that like, this is a problem. I think if I remember correctly, don't quote me on this, but I think at one point Gary even challenged um, Len Sanford to like stop taking his profit share when that's, he's got a competing company. Like I feel like he challenged him at some point. To that's do that. pretty funny. Yeah. That's... It's, so it's one could argue like well, not, this isn't necessarily factual, but one could argue that Glenn Sanford started EXP with Keller, with Gary Keller's money. Like you could say that. There, I'm sure Inman's probably written an article. Somebody's written an article like that, but he at least started that company while receiving money from. I mean, from yeah. Keller Williams. I bought my house with your money. I mean, you paid me to do my job. And I I wouldn't. And it's good clickbait article, but yeah. no, that's well, not. That's Inman's specialty is clickbait <laughs> articles. <laughs> uh, let's move on before we get yeah. in trouble. We are not being sponsored, but. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a few years ago. Like, I, I don't know exactly, probably three years ago, yeah. plus or minus a couple oh, yeah. years. Um, but that that came to light, and but nothing ever changed. Like, everybody, Gary Stills, um, Payne, Glenn, and everybody else who's ever been at Keller Williams. And then literally just a month ago in September, or what, August, all of a sudden news comes out that, like, Keller Williams is not going to pay profit share anymore to people who have left and gone to the competitors. And I believe they gave him, what, 30 days to come back? Yeah, they said, or you could come back and you can continue receiving it. But if you don't, then you're not going to receive it anymore. Yeah. Now, when I saw that, like, I was like, what the fuck were they waiting for? Like, that was my honest reaction. Like, I was surprised they didn't make that change years ago when that whole confrontation came up. And it, like, got brought to light. Like, I know people were like, oh, that's messed up. They changed it, whatever. Like, well, let, let's be very real. Like, I'm at EXP. EXP has made changes to its program. People are at Real. Real has made changes to its program. Like even Keller Williams, like you said, it used to be a revenue share and they switched it to a profit share. So anybody who's like, oh, that's messed up. They changed things. Like every company has made change. I'd be a hypocrite if I was like, oh, you're never allowed to make changes when the company I'm with has made changes. Well, like would I be, if I was a recipient who got cut off, would I be frustrated? Of course. Like, have I loved every change EXP's made? Like, I don't know if I love all of them. There's some, I'm like, ah, oh, that kind of sucks. But, or I get it. It's, it. Maybe it hurts here, but it helps there. Like, um, so I don't always love every decision that's made. But I'm, honestly, I was shocked that Gary Keller waited that long to cut people off. Like, you're, uh, the way it works at EXP, and I'm assuming other, a lot of our competitors are the same way. Like, with EXP, after I've been there three years, if um, I'm vested and I receive that for life, unless I go to a competitor. So if I like, I've been with EXP for five years now, if I just like, hey, I'm done, I don't wanna sell anymore, like I will continue receiving it as long as I don't go to a competitor. That's, that is way more logical. I think Keller Williams made a mistake that they didn't add that provision in there that if you go to a competitor, you get cut off. So I feel like I was actually surprised that they waited as long as they did to cut people off. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, it's very logical. <laughs> and and if you're listening to this right now and you go, well, that's messed up, I, I guarantee you your business now looks different than it did two years ago and different than it was four years ago. Your your business, your relationship, your 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 views on life, your views on politics or or health, I, I'm sure they've all changed. And so it's, it's not 
it, it, it makes sense where you, you can't be like, for example, I, I, I've been a photographer for many, many years. When I started, I was charging like 50 bucks for a family photo shoot. Now I got asked and I was like 600 bucks. Well, that's not fair. You did it for $50 four years ago. Yeah, it was a different time. Now, where I think this comes really sticky and, and people are listening to this, but Brian, yes, you can change your prices, but you didn't have a contract saying, I'll get, do $50 photo shoots for the rest of your life. How do they get around that? I haven't seen their contract, but I know my contract says that it's subject to change. All terms are subject to change. So, And you know Keller Williams didn't go, uh, on a whim, hey, let me just change this. You know they've spent time and time and time with their lawyers. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm well aware that at eXp, they can make changes as they have made changes to the revenue share program, just like Real has. Like, we're no different, right? Like, if anybody, at, especially Real or eXp, like, I think we're hypocritical if we're like, oh, how dare you make changes to your program when our respective programs have made changes. Like, yeah. I think it's hypocritical. Now, of course, that sucks for the person who is getting cut off that thought like, hey, well, what I agreed to said I'm going to get it forever. But it did say it was subject to change. And, you know, it changed. So I get it. I feel for the people that were negatively affected by it. But I understand it. And from a business perspective, I was, again, I'm, Gary's not one that's uh, shy, typically. And um, you, you don't typically hear about him being a uh, patient. He's usually cutthroat, very direct. So I was, I'm actually more surprised he waited years to make the change. Um, I thought he would have made the change almost immediately after the, the altercation with, uh, with Glenn. I mean, I wonder if we just spent three years or so Trying working with lawyers. Trying to to do this to not get sued. Maybe. So now what can we learn from this? Yeah. So, okay, yes, it sucks for those that got, got cut off. But yes, as a business decision, it makes sense. Um, it's, it's weird to say, yep, I'm going to keep paying you even though not only are you working for a different company, building a different company, but sometimes recruiting to, to build that company and being incentivized from my, so it's like, so, so I get it. Right. Um, and it sucks, but, but I get it. What can we do? Because we, as a company, as whistle realty have had to make changes to a variety of things anywhere from, um, you know, what it looks like to work here, to how we're compensated. To, I mean, again, as we grow, as we mature, as you go from 30 agents to, to 100 agents, there's a lot of lessons and a lot of growth that needs to happen. What can we take from this? What can we learn the good things they did, the bad things they did um, to where, how can we help our own business? Yeah. I'm, the biggest thing is thinking through agreements. Like think about not just today, think about tomorrow, think about 10 years down the road, think about 50 years down the road. I mean, I don't try to remember when Keller was founded, but they've been around a long time. Um, I think 30 plus years. So it's like, you're, you got to envision your company being around a decade or two from now. And like, how are the decisions we make and what we put into these agreements going to look 20, 30 years down the road? And I think sometimes we don't think about that stuff. Um, so, I mean, for example, I've gotten into the investment game and now I'm in the development game and stuff and I have a partner in that business. And like, I've always been very leery of having partners. Like I don't typically love having partners. Um, you know, you just hear all the horror stories of partners. So I'm of the mindset, like if I'm going to go into a partnership, I'm going to have a very, very clear partnership agreement put in place. And I need somebody just like, you know, you probably filled out an advanced directive at some point, right? Where it's like, if I am in a coma or if I 
have to be on life support. Like when does the, does the plug get pulled and what do you want to happen with your body when you're dead? Like those suck to fill out. Like they're awful when you fill one of those things out. When you do a trust, you have to set that up. Like those are horrible questions to have to answer because nobody wants to think about that stuff. But the reality is I'm getting all sweaty <laughs> thinking about it. Jeez. But the reality is that stuff's going to happen. Yeah. So you need somebody who's going to ask you the tough questions and poke holes in all of these things. And, you know, for our partnership agreement that I have with my investment partner, like where you talk about what if I die? What if he dies? What if we die? What if I don't carry my weight? What if he doesn't carry his weight? Like we have to think about all these these difficult questions. Um, difficult questions like a prenup, right? Like we have to think about those and then you need somebody who can come and poke holes in that agreement and, and ask you the, what about this? Have you thought about that type questions? So where I think Keller went wrong is they didn't have somebody poke holes in that part of the agreement of what if somebody leaves you and then goes and founds your competitor and then you go have now have to go head to head with this person that you're still giving money to and you're literally funding your competition like i think that's where their mistake was made is nobody came in and was like hey what about if this happens and so anytime you get into an agreement you should have somebody who's there for you you need to have someone who's going to advise you and help you think through all of those potential situations and so that's where i think things went wrong um you know i think that that change was gonna have to happen. I, again, I'm just more surprised they waited as long as they did to make the change. That That's the most surprising part of it to me. So what are things that you see? Oh, in... actually, check this out. Even in my oh. partnership agreement I have today, like to just show you the level that you should think about, my partner and I have life insurance policies against each other. So that if he dies, I get a life insurance payment because now he's out of the company. Um, and so there's life insurance payments made and stuff like, that's I was going to make a joke about killing him, but to. I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's the level that these things have to go to, though. Like, it's it's kind of crazy to think about. But So let's think about a real estate team. Someone either uh, has a team now or is thinking about creating a team. Or, as we see all the time, people sometimes create these teams kind of accidentally, right? Someone goes, oh, I want to work with you. Oh, I want to work with you. And all of a sudden, they've got a handful of people working under them. What are some things that you can advise right now that we've run through of, hey, don't do a 95-5 split for life type of thing? Um, and I don't know if that's one or not, but give me a couple suggestions of, and I don't know if we're even allowed to talk splits. I don't know how. You can talk splits, not, you just can't talk about what we charge customers. So Okay. Yeah. Um, the biggest mistake that I see people make is when they're starting a team, like we'll, we'll just go on that specifically, is they don't. They've never actually had a PL before. They've never run a PL to understand like what profitability looks like. And they're not running their company like a true company. Um, people a lot of times don't realize that like their agent income and their company income are two different things. They just put all of the income in one bucket and they think their company's profitable, but the company's not profitable unless you put the agent income in there too. If you take your agent income out, put yourself on a split like any other agent. Now the company's not profitable. So a lot of people are like running these companies that they think are profitable, but they're only profitable because of their production, which brings an in agent income. They're not actually paying themselves a split. So they have this company that's not profitable. And what ends up happening is they start paying their agents way too high of splits, but they're like, oh, I'm still profitable, I'm still profitable. Then when they finally decide to like get out and stop selling, now they're losing their face off because the company was never profitable. 
you were supporting it with your agent income to make it profitable. Um, but they were never running their books correctly anyway. And so now they get in this situation, they have all these agents on way too high of splits and the company's not profitable because they're not producing anymore. So you don't have their agent uh, production or their agent income in there. And now they have a company that's running at a huge loss. So I think that's a big one is like, if you're running a team or you're looking to start a team, you've got to treat the team or the company income separate from your agent income. You have to put yourself on a split the same way you're going to put an agent on a split because at some point you're going to probably want to get out of production and you're going to have to have an agent take those deals and you're only going to get right a certain percentage of it. The agent's going to get the remaining percentage of it. It's not going to be you anymore. It's going to be the agent. And so if you don't think about that up front, you end up paying way more than you should. That happens and then people also pay more than they need to because they don't realize their value. Um, they don't understand like what it takes or they either don't understand what it takes to be successful or they're doing so much they don't understand how much value how much value they're providing and they think they have to pay these big splits in order to keep good agents but when you get in this track of paying too much money it's really hard to get out of it so let's let's play a game here and obviously it's going to be different for everyone but let's play a game if you provide the minimal value possible. What's the meaning like no meetings, no office access, literally as low as overhead as humanly possible. You can say you're on my team and you can use my, my, my brand name, right? What's the highest you would give an agent split? 75, 75. So they take 75, you take 25 part of a team. Yeah. Yep. Like I, I just, you can't really make more like, the thing I've learned too is like there's now theoretically there's ways to do it, right? People be like, well, I don't make money off the team, but I make money off the other things. Like, okay, but I don't know, as a good business person, I want to make money off each respective business and the total business. But sometimes people like there's a lot of brokerages that know they're running at a loss, but they're like, well, I own mortgage, I own title, I own all these other things and I make the money there. Like you could say that that makes sense, but wouldn't it be way more sensical if each individual business made money too? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just a different business model, right? It's, it's the, the Costco hot dog. As these is teams the are leader. getting bigger, right? Like, I mean, our team is bigger than a lot of brokerages. Like we effectively are a brokerage without the broker responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> man, with all the stuff we've had happen recently, I'm glad to not be the broker. That's for another podcast. Yeah. I feel, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's 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 a big thing. People just they don't they don't understand. They've never even run a PNL. Like you probably shouldn't be running a team if you don't have a PNL. Like you don't even understand how much money you're making. Like, and I'm guilty as anybody. Like I remember I used to have no idea how much money I'd make till I filed my taxes. And I'm like, oh, whoa, I made that much. I didn't even know. <laughs> like that's that's not the way to run a business. So all right. So is there any other things besides splits? that you can think of in a business, in a real estate business that you should be looking forward yeah, you to. You need a, what's gonna happen when we break up. Like the same mm -hmm. reason people get a prenup is the same reason you need something in real estate. And it's especially when you run a team because you gotta think about what happens when an agent leaves your team. Like that's gotta be spelled out. Like what happens with the leads? What hap what's the split? What if one of those leads comes back around? Like you gotta think about all those things. Um, what leads can they call? right? What leads can't they call? Um, and if, if a lead closes, what if it's one of your, you know, a client that you gave them the lead 
and they close them on a purchase, but then a year later they come back and buy something like, and they go through that agent. Does that agent owe you something? Like you got to think about all those what ifs. And also what if the agent moves to a different state, but wants to be still like, that's a, a whole aspect. Too. Yeah. I mean, we've had that, right. We're in California. So we have people leaving to go to uh, other places and, you know, well, what if an agent wants to do business there on their own, but still do business with their team locally? Like, there's so many what-if scenarios. And all of that spelled out in the ICA? Typically with okay. an agent, yeah. I mean, and, you know, we, we uh, did a partnership with Kimo Quants recently, mm-hmm. right? Like, we spent a few months ironing out the details of that agreement. Like, you have to do that stuff. If you don't, you're... You, you're setting yourself up for a real big headache later on down the road. So we spend a lot of time and money to build that agreement out to minimize potential headaches and down the road. So how would you recommend someone for us? It's easy to find a, well, it's, it's easy for us to find a what if person. He's sitting outside. His name is Jared Norris. I love Jared so much, (laughs) but if you want to find a hole in your boat, he will, he'll find it. Uh, He'll go, well, what if he's this got a and this future and this? as a home inspector? Oh, for it's, sure. it's wonderful. Um, and he he helps us find uh, any and all of the flaws in our plans asked for or not. They are appreciated. I love you, Jared. Um, if someone doesn't have a Jared Norris, how how do they figure out these? What ifs do they I ask? Mean, you're, we're very fortunate now that there's this magical technology that scours the entire internet and tells us everything in a matter of seconds. Um, that's far better than traditional Ooh, Google. Is it Ask Jeeves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, between using Bard and ChatGPT now, like you can literally go in there and like, hey, I'm just write out the details. Like I'm starting a real estate team. Blah blah blah. Like put the details. What are like twenty things I need to think about when I build out my agreement, my team agreement with my agents. I bet you, you're going to get some really good ideas. I'd probably ask for a hundred things I should think about. Like I would be, what's your, what are the most common things people leave out of their partnership agreements that I should think about when I'm building a partnership agreement? Like you could just ask right now, like it's so easy and it's free. Cool. Like that's, that's where to go. Like if you don't have that, but ideally like when you're doing a partnership, you should be hiring an attorney to help you put these agreements together. Because if you're not, and you're just winging it, attorneys are the ones that know what you should ask because they've either sued somebody for something that was left out of an agreement or been sued. That's, and that's how they learn what needs to be in the agreement. So between your attorney and using AI, it makes it a whole lot easier than it was a few years ago. I think that's pretty... So basically, Gary Keller was right. It just took him a little longer than you expected. Um and, um, and I get, I get it. He pissed some people off, but I was surprised he waited as long as he did. I, th- I think it was an inevitable change that they were going to make, and they did it. And you know, they knew they were going to get some hate for it, but um, I think they're far less worried about the hate from the people who've left than the love they're getting from the people who are there. So it's true. I, I get it from a business decision. I get that it also pissed some people off in the process. But I, Gary is is somebody who's far less concerned with who he pisses off. It's just his mo. He and I are the opposite but on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm down to uh, to rock out and play some guitars with you, Gary, whenever you want. We'll, we'll make it happen. 
I have a lot of respect for Gary. He's one of the smartest business minds in real estate. So. Yeah, but you don't play guitar. So. <laughs> I do. It's just not pretty. I, I, I have one song that's La Bamba, and my daughter hates it. It's it's awful. <laughs> yes. So there's that. Oh, good. I want to I hear that. Awesome. Well, before we wrap the show today, I want to share something with you we call Whistle Widget of the Week. This is something we utilize in our business that saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have a little bit more fun. What do you got, Brian? This one... Uh, doesn't save us money or or but it, it is more fun. Um I have been listening to Spotify as has everyone and their mother. Um and they have a new feature called the DJ feature and it's an AI feature that you literally press the DJ button and it will give you groups of songs. I think they're like four or five songs and they'll play it based on your listening habits, your uh what you've listened to recently, what you haven't listened to for a while. Um and it'll kind of just group it together. Um, and if you don't like that group, you just hit it again and uh, move on. But it's the DJ feature within Spotify. Um, I don't know about you, but if you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying to think of something. I'm not, I don't know what I'm in the mood for. It's great. It's, it's like the radio, but no commercials. So okay. that's mine. Cool. Mine is uh, definitely something that just helps me have more fun. Uh, if you are unaware, I'm a sneakerhead and I love shoes. And... Uh, one of our agents is a fellow sneakerhead. And Talk about shared, Big Matt? Oh, yeah. Money Matt, yeah. Shared an app with me recently that uh, if you're into sneakers, you know they always have like drops and raffles and all this stuff. And so if you want to get the inside track on getting the hot new shoe before it goes public or some of the tricks of how to get the shoe before other people, there's an app to help you with that. Also, we'll tell you like let's say a shoe drops but then maybe somebody had one in their cart, so it was sold out, but then they didn't go through with the purchase. And so there's restocks that randomly pop up. It'll tell you when there's restocks and you can slide in and grab a shoe that was previously sold out. That app is called Soul, S-O-L-E, Retriever, S-O-L-E, Retriever. Um, and if you want an invite to it, it's uh, one of those where you like go, you get on a wait list and stuff. So I can probably send you a code to try to help you shortcut the line to get in. Matt, cool he's never going to share anything with you again. He's going to be like, that, stop, that's my thing. <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah, if you guys want uh, an invite code for Soul Retriever, if you're a sneakerhead, hit me up at Kyle Whistle on Insta. I'll share it with you. Very cool. Awesome, guys. Well, hope you got a lot of value out of the show today. If you listen on a podcast platform, hook us up with a review on there. It means a lot. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, hit the like button. Throw a comment in there. Brian and I respond to all those personally and subscribe for more updates. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Kyle Whistle with eXp Realty. I'm Brian Kochi. We'll see you next week.